welcome to the Mijos Podcast, a show dedicated to amplifying male voices on society and culture from the Latino perspective. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Mijos Podcast. This is your host, Victor Arias. Uh, here again with me is the Harlem Papi, Luis Galilei. And uh, today we're talking with um, actually a primo of mine, Robert Dinajero, PhD. Uh, <laughs> professor professor Robert Dinajero, yeah. Um, professor Dinajero is uh, a teacher, associate professor? Assistant professor. Assistant professor of English and rhetoric at the University of North Texas, Dallas. He is also he's also running his own podcast called Words, 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 that talks about language and uh, rhetoric. And uh, we're happy to have him today because we're going to talk about um, some of the terms that we've been hearing a lot with regard to masculinity and also just communication between guys from a masculinity standpoint and also some of the code switching that happens um, from a cultural perspective. So, Robert, happy to have you on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Great to Absolutely. be on the podcast. Yeah, did I, get the, uh, did I get the introduction correct? Yeah, except you called him the Brooklyn Poppy and you didn't call me the El Paso Poppy. He called me the Harlem Poppy. Oh, my bad, Harlem Poppy. <laughs> I didn't mean to mix it up there. Yeah, so so Robert is originally from El Paso, wears that loud and proud on his sleeve, and so we can call you the El Paso Poppy, bro. That's cool. <laughs> All right, that'll work for today. I like that. El Paso Poppy's on fire. It, it sounds like you make a mean, a mean, like, enchilada. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs> Except I'd have to call my mom to, to make it. And I, don't know, I don't know how mean my uh, my chile would be. <laughs> there you go. So, um, so Robert, why don't we start with, um, you know, one thing we talk a lot about on uh, on the Mijos podcast is, is masculinity and how, you know, a lot of people have been talking about, you know, what is the, what is the redefinition of masculinity mean today obviously things are very different there's the me too movement there's all these different things that are happening and um one term we hear a lot or we see a lot in media is toxic masculinity and we've even seen almost like a almost like a negative reaction to that um where media are trying not to use that so much but we'd love to hear your take on it as somebody who deals with language a lot and and just words um, what do you think of when you think of the term toxic masculinity and even like the origins of it? I think actually, you know, a female coined that term. But as you know, the definition of certain words or terms changes as we continue to use them. Right. So I'd love to understand how you feel about that. Well, first off, I didn't really start seeing the term or using it until, you know, about maybe five years ago, and I know the term has been around for much longer than that, but not really a term I saw that much. Even when I was in grad school, I saw a little bit of it. Uh, growing up, the the term that I would hear is uh, machismo, and so that was always kind of in in the lexicon for, you know, people that was around, but it wasn't even used that much, and sometimes it was used in kind of a more positive way. But then there was also some negativity connected to it. And it wasn't until, like I said, in the last five years that I've been kind of using it more and being more aware of what it means. I'm, I'm here <laughs> online. Uh, I had no idea like where this originated, but I'm going to the uh, always um, reliable Wikipedia right now. <laughs> but it, mm-hmm. it does seem to be connected to some good sources. And so it says the term toxic masculinity originated in the mythopoetic men's movement of the 1980s and 90s. And honestly, I am not sure what mythopoetic means. Uh, <laughs> your listener, you can look that up. So this was in the like 80s and 90s, and, and it says it later found wide use in both academic and popular writing, especially starting in the 2010s. And so according to sociologist Michael Flood, 
These include expectations that boys and men must, must be active, aggressive, tough, daring, and dominant. So that's how I understand the term is kind of these, this stereotypical machismo that guys either are kind of supposed to have or live up to or so that's kind of my little quick introduction to my connection to the term yeah uh mytho mythopoetic i think that's when we were just talking a lot about zeus and 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 poseidon and how they used to be toxic against each other Oh, is that what it is? And then, yeah, right, because Profe- Professor Harlem Poppy is right, over here right now. Right, because then yeah. Zeus had thrown the lightning bolt, right. and Poseidon had to try that, and he was like, "Yo, that's mad toxic." <laughs> yeah. And then and they were like, "Smashing them at the same time." But yeah, yeah. It, it is it is interesting, right? Uh, growing up in 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 uh, in a Latino or a Latinx home, in in whatever type of neighborhood, like t- this this term of toxic masculinity. When it was introduced to me, and, I, and I'm sure we can all attest to this, that was just like home. <laughs> yeah. That was just yeah. regular interaction was was toxic masculinity. So I think it's uh, it's pretty interesting to see like a lot of men reacting to and finally coming to terms. Well, not everyone, but like they're starting to come to terms with, oh, the way I grew up was toxic. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they didn't know that. And from our side, and I'm sure a bunch of our, like, white and black counterparts or whatever, they can agree. It was also our moms, too. Yeah. Yeah. That, that oh, yeah. Pushed it. <clears throat> yeah, I think it's like these, when I, like, even through that definition, right, just trying to unpack a little bit of that, like, to Luis's point, I, I think we all, like, all three of us, even though we're all like beautiful, bald, brown Latino men, BBBLs. BBBLs. Uh, <laughs> I, th- I think that like we That's all grew high. we all grew up in different areas and different situations, and so. But at the same time, like there's something that definition, like I'm like, oh, everything kind of resonated. Like there's an inherent understanding of like even just like boys don't cry or like there's an understanding it may not even even have been like spelled out to you or to me Mm -hmm. but it's like it's like dude you're gonna don't cry some of the milestones of of being a dude are like playing sports and you know making varsity for a sport and like going on dates with girls or like whatever you know being the toughest or getting into a fight fight or whatever right like all those daring things i'm sure we all did the same shit just in different oh yeah in different what, parts of the country, you know? What's interesting for me is kind of the, I guess you call it the two ends of the spectrum. So there's some stuff that we just kind of obviously know is being sexist and toxic, right? And that stuff is kind of the easy stuff, I think, for a lot of people say to agree on. But it's kind of one end of the spectrum is kind of this um, indirect, indirect masculine toxicity where people say, like, no, like, stop being a punk or stop being, yeah. Um, yeah, I hate saying the word pussy, but that's part of the toxic masculinity, right? Oh, yeah. Is they're like, stop being like that. Like, like, men should be a certain way. Men should protect. Men should be strong. And so stop bringing up these, like, indirect ways of toxic masculinity. And then on the other end, I think it's interesting to ask the question, at what point is it not toxic and just okay, like, if, like I have a little two and a half year old and let's say he's scared of something that he really shouldn't be scared of, right? Like there's a little, there's a little snail right on the floor and he says, I'm scared. And if my wife says like, no, you need to be tough. Like, don't be scared of that. Like, is that toxic masculinity? Because we're telling a boy to not be scared of something. Like, I don't know. I think those two different ends of the spectrum are what's most interesting to me. Yeah, you got to tell them not to be scared, and then you have that father-son moment where you pour salt on the snail together, and you watch it burn and die in front of you. <laughs> and then but, you kick it. Like, but it's right, true. You bring, up, you bring up a really good point, though, about, like, when does it now, – because now, cause now I feel like in that example, it's like, all right, so if this is toxic masculinity – now, how sensitive do I go with it? Like, how do I really handle it? So that's that's an interesting, like, obviously, 
Bert, you're like you're giving us one one end of the spectrum, right? And how far can you take it? But I think some of the things I've been reading is like this is the exact reason why a lot of media, a lot of reporters, editors or whatever are moving away from this term because toxic masculinity is now just being lumped in with how people talk about masculinity or being a man, right? So it's like there's kind of this movement of like, no, it's like okay to be a man. And there are like things that go along with that. Like, like boys will be boys doesn't have to automatically mean a negative thing. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like boys are going to mess with, uh, you know, they're going to be a little rough and tumble. Like they're going to want to, you know, play, you know, WWE wrestling or like mess mess with. Yeah. Yeah, they're right. going to want to say, lot like, inappropriately gay shit to each other. <laughs> but there's, there's a lot of people that would disagree even what you were just saying, Vic. They would say, well, no, like, when you say rough and tumble, like, that's that's boys and girls, right? That, like, why say that that's just normal boy thing, right? That that's part of the indirect yeah. stereotyping that we're doing. I think it's it's yes it's yes and like if girls want to do that that's completely fine but I'm saying don't take that like that should that's also naturally a part of growing up and and like of boyhood. Yeah, I think I think it's also like now now it's like you know if you're ta- you know looking at both ends of the spectrum if you're taking like the oh like they can't be bo- like boys can't be boys anymore nah right. boys can be boys right. they just can't go around slapping girls' asses right. they can't go around like calling each other, you know, homos because they, they cried or shit like that. Nah, boys could be boys. They could fuck each other up. Like, that's fine because we're, we're like, kind of masculine and dumb at for a long time. But you can't, like, it's now, like, don't... I, I see a lot of men getting mad that this, the their uh, upbringings and their masculinity is getting in question when it's like, bro, no one's telling you not to be a man. Right. No one's putting a dildo in you right now. <laughs> You're just, you're, you're fine, bro. You're good. We're just yeah. saying, like, just don't, don't, be a dick. don't be a dick. Don't project this toxic masculinity right. onto your son. Now, I'm not saying sign him up for ballet. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying when he gets tackled on the football field and his knee hurts, right? he so vale la rodilla. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's okay for him to be hurt and be right. like, my dad, my shit hurts. Okay, right. cool. Don't go up to him and be like, son, no pain right. ever being shown right. because then he's just going to be like that forever. Right. But I think this goes back to what I think that for the most part, I think most guys, that's that's an easy thing, right? Like, like if our kid gets hurt playing football, like we want him to be tough, but we're going to care about him. The, the harder question for me is if your son wants to be in ballet. Ah, there we then, go. Then what? Then then you tell him to man up. Come on. <laughs> come on. <laughs> nah, then oh, you get no, him a I'm... full camo ballet outfit and you send him in there and you'll be like, if you're going to do ballet, you're going to be the best ballet, balleo out there. <laughs> balleo. Balleo. <laughs> That's a cross between ballet and weight. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that's that's a really great point. When when your son or the or your loved ones are starting to do what society has pinned as like feminine things. Yeah, I mean then then you really got to check yourself. I don't I it, I mean obviously we're talking about that, but trying to internalize that and see how I would react, you got to check yourself and be like, "All right, this is not about me. This is about my child." Yeah, That's did y'all see what Dwayne Wade said about his son? Yeah, what? that that his oh, son yeah. identifies as Not as a binary. her, as a her, yeah. Oh. And uh, and I think his son is already like, I mean, like, he's super. He wears crop tops and shit. Right, but I mean, I think he's uh, I can't remember the exact age. I was gonna say like 11, 12, 13. I think he's 13 yeah, yeah, already. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and he's been public about it, which mm-hmm. is awesome. Like that's. That's yeah. what you're supposed to There's do. There's nothing more public than taking a family photo with your son wearing a crop top. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, what do you think about it, Bert? Yeah, I mean, I really like what he said, which is what, you know, you just said is that he said the problem isn't with the kid. The problem is with us and society, right? Like not accepting it or wanting to fit them into a certain way of being. 
And yeah. so yeah. I I thought he talked about it. Like, I really like how he talked about it. And I respect the fact that he's this big figure, right, athlete. And he's willing yeah. to, to yeah. do that and look out for his kid. Yeah, because at the end of the day, he took the angle of like he was basically saying, "I'm gonna, I'm just being, I'm just gonna be a good father." Exactly. Yeah. I'm gonna be a support system for my son, and whatever he will do is what I will support. Yeah. Um, instead of being like, "Oh no, I want my son to be the way I want him to be," or what a lot of people do is make you know project things onto their sons because they couldn't do it. Right. Hmm. Yeah. But how would you all react if your seven-year-old son wanted to wear a crop top to school? I'm out matching crop tops. Let's do it. (laughs) Yeah, you're asking the wrong person. Literally, Luis was shopping for, like, purses yesterday during a meeting. Yeah, I was like, yo, I want a purse. (laughs) And they were like, oh, you mean, like, a crossbody bag? I'm like, no, I want a full-blown purse. Like, not even streetwear cool, like, like, femwear and they were no like, yo, get an all black. Tool. And I was like, why would I get an all black purse? I already wear all black. I want like a hot pink, <laughs> hot neon pink green joint. You yeah, know exactly, exactly, exactly. No, man, I think, I think for me, it's, I would, I would like to think I would be fully supportive. Crop tops. I mean, dude, don't you remember? Don't Cover you remember? up, son. <laughs> no, 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 listen. Man, crop tops was just normal. Like, yeah. do you remember football shimmels in Texas, Bert? Like that was like no, that was like normal anyway. Uh, I mean, I was just show- the thing that they wear at practice, like a little. Yeah, yeah. At practice, but it would only come down. It would sh- it would basically be a crop top. It would hit you. Yeah, like, but you guys weren't wearing that, you know, to well, school and out. Yeah. And, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. Anyway, I think it's I think it's pretty normal. I think it's whatever. Uh, also, my wife used to be a ballerina, so like if my kid said he wants to do ballet, I'd be like, hell yeah, man! That's like one of the hardest sports you could ever do. Yeah. And it and it probably helps you with a lot of other things. I think there's a guy in the NFL on the Ravens that that did ballet, and it, he like oh yeah he like talked about how it helped him so much to play football. So I think like I think those things are totally cool and totally fine. Yeah. And, you know, not something you should be ashamed of just because we weren't exposed to it growing up in Texas, you know. But I think it it, it would be um, we would be I would definitely be lying if it didn't hit me, though. Okay, it would would definitely hit me because I'm you you need to acknowledge how society has brought you up. It would definitely be a a, a quick hit if I saw my son and he was like um, in full leotard and and he didn't just want to be in leotard. He wanted the tutu. I'll probably laugh a little just because that's a funny image to me. Um, even if my, if my, if my daughter wore, I'd be like, that's funny. Yeah. Um, but then, but that doesn't, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing absolutely wrong with that. If I am aware of it, I see it and I move it to the side and I'm like, this is not real. This is how I've been conditioned. This right. is what, what, what's important here is yeah. what makes me happy is what makes my son happy. And now we're going to go do that. Now he's going to have, his whole ignorant family behind him in the stands, like the ballet game is a soccer game. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, what, what I would think about the most is how he's going to be treated, right, at school. Mm. And, and so that is point. what I would worry about the most. Like, I would I would be, you know, beside behind my son 100%, but I know that I'm not going to be right next to him all day. And so that would is what I would worry about the most. Yeah, I mean that's a concern for any kid though, and it, and and the thing is like, kid, yeah. kids are mean, man. They'll bully you for anything, for like nothing. Yeah. Oh yeah. So so if it's a tutu or if it's like he got a bad haircut one day, like right. everybody's susceptible. You know what I'm well, saying? Well, then so, also I'm I'm also gonna be like, that got to be case by case. Exactly. Because that's tough. Because now we're talking about like you said, you're not gonna you. That's the whole separation from the child thing. And that's like, I'm not there to make right. sure he's being treated equally. You got to try and put some trust in the teachers and the school system. And then if he does get bullied, then we all know if you tell you the snitch, but you're not supposed to teach them how to f- like fight, fuck the person up. Like you can't be like, yo, so now defend yourself. Well, well I'm like, yeah, but I mean, if they call him a, a, a fairy, he can't just duff them in the neck. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, you got to yeah. be like, no, your mom's your uncle. And then it's like, <laughs> then that's that's like a better. You got to you got to give him good clapbacks. That's what that's the solution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clapbacks. Clapbacks. 
I like Poppy's back. Poppy's Guide to Bullying. Poppy's Guide to Bullying is clapbacks, hit them low, hit them hard. Like it. I like it. <laughs> and, and then I was just, I don't know if we want to move on to the next topic, but I was just yeah, let's do about it. how um, I would support, uh, look, I can, I can talk the talk, but then at the end of the day, like when I'm going and buying clothes and toys and things for my two and a half year old son right now, it's all for the most part stereotypical boy stuff. Yeah, it's all right? blue. Yeah, it's all blue and it's all trucks and dinosaurs and, you know, all, yeah. you know. And so even though I'm all for him finding his own identity, I'm clearly yeah. choosing things for him that fit into the stereotypical masculine yeah. whatever image yeah it's true i mean we we have that how shit. dare you <laughs> <laughs> we have that shit cemented into us as part of our society you know what i'm saying you should you just gotta buy them gender neutral toys yo yeah like just give them a stick and rocks if you like yeah bro <laughs> give them give them a yo-yo <laughs> the ball the ball in the cup bro that's the big and what is right now still you know no man so tell it so so robert man i know you've been um you've been a professor for a long time uh and you recently uh started at unt dallas um which has a pretty diverse student body but even before that you were like one of the only latinos on faculty at an HBCU in South Dallas called Paul Quinn College, which is kind of an amazing. Paul Quinn. Uh, Paul Quinn was black. Yeah, right. Isn't that, I get that right? Paul Quinn College. Yeah, Paul Quinn College. HBCU. Yeah. Paul Quinn don't sound black. Well, I mean, <laughs> he is. Um, so tell me about like, tell me about. Did you ever? And obviously, you deal with language and rhetoric and breaking down um, the use of language and things like that. So. With these diverse students, did you ever see or notice a difference in how um, people communicated? And what I mean by that is, like, specifically, like, men of color, Latinos and, and blacks. Like, did you ever see a different? like, did any of this hyper machismo masculinity come out? Did you notice anything different? Did you ever have to code switch when you were speaking to students um, that you and you wanted things to resonate with them specifically. Like, I'm just curious. Did did you ever notice an effect on you and your style of teaching for students of color? Um, the only kind of well, one of the differences I noticed, <laughs> and I I don't I want to word this very carefully because I don't want to like stick people in stereotypes, but I did notice that the African American students, on the most part liked to talk more in class and a lot more a lot more of my latino students tend to be more quiet and that doesn't mean that i did not i had plenty of african-american students that were shy and like didn't want to talk during class discussions and i had plenty of latino students that talked to them often but generally speaking like i said i want to be really careful because i'm not trying to stereotype you know a whole group of people into you know one way of communicating no, of course man uh, we're just there, talking about your classes a, yeah yeah there was a certain uh, energy that came with more of the uh, African American students than than a lot of the Latino students, um, and so that's one small difference. As far as code switching, like, no, I didn't really do that. I, I, I you know, I might code switch a little bit because I know terms that like younger people use, um, but you know, like throwing in lit or something like that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know which you at, say which that. at first was like corny, but then it kind of just becomes normal and when you use it like students are like well yeah that's a word we use like whatever who cares if you use it too um so i think age plays a big role in some of the code switching that i did a little bit of but i think students would have caught on right away if i was doing some like extreme fake code switching uh, with them so i just you know talk like i did maybe now where i'm at untd there's a large uh latinx population and so every once in a while, I'll throw in some Spanish words, the way I pronounce things. Um, so those are a couple of things that I've, I've noticed I've done. That's awesome. Yeah, that sounds like fun. I feel like I feel like Luis does that all the time, too, in meetings. He'll throw people off, man. Yeah, it's tough because 
We, uh, I, li- I guess we're we're all technically in professional environments, right? <laughs> technically. technically. I mean, I don't know what I am in anymore because I, I blur the line. But technically, to be professional, to act professional, I've, I joke around about this, but I do believe this. Being professional is just acting white, in my opinion. To right? a certain extent, yeah. To a certain extent, right? Yeah, I, I yeah, mean, yeah. yeah, I'm not gonna throw, yeah, I'm not gonna throw a beer across the table. That's definitely unprofessional, <laughs> and that's just not being a good human. But <laughs> to me, it's talking a certain way that uh, that white people talk like, and it's acting a certain way that uh, in the way that white people talk uh, act. And then, yes, there are there is like the general professionalism code, right? So I had I had a big thing with code switching because I was like. If I'm like this outside of work and I preach about being my authentic self and then it's funny for me because in when we're doing campaigns and stuff like that, yeah. talking to people that I am the target, then I need to just be myself. Now, not everyone is in environments like New York where you're champion to be yourself and you uh, going back to the tutus and the ballerina, you could wear that probably to the office. And if someone says something to you, you'd be like, yo, HR. Uh, HR got my back on Yeah, HR got my back. Um, So I definitely had that situation where I I did feel like I code switched because I would would come in here. I remember my first couple months here, I'd come in with like a college shirt. Yeah. Uh, you know what I'm saying? You were preppy, man. You were yeah, really I had I had three I had three college shirts that I had to wash consistently. Uh you know, I had the te- you know, the light blue polo. Everyone got the light blue polo. Then I had the white and I had some turquoise joint that I got from my uncle that was horrible. Uh and I used to wear that and I used to wear the same khakis every day because that's what I thought I had to feel I, that's what I thought gave me the permission to be professional. That's not true. It's what's in here. It's what's in here and all the training that you've had and all the things that you add to the table. So then, but the code switching sort of stopped and now I'm just in, in meetings just, yeah. yeah, acting myself, which is how it should be. Yeah. And when, when you were talking about that, it made me think of when I taught at the HBCU and I would talk to my students about code switching and you said that Basically, when somebody says you need to sound professional, they're kind of saying you need to sound white. And mm-hmm. so that was complicated because there were some students that I had, both black and Latino, that totally understood that. They're like, yeah, of course, you know, you have to like fit into mm-hmm. society and fit into what's white. But then I had some some black and Latino students that said, well, I get it from the other end because this is just how I speak. And then I get it from black people or Latinos that I that I'm sounding white, that I'm less that I'm less black or I'm less Latino because I speak English, quote unquote, properly. And so so I totally agree with what you're saying. But at the same time, it's it's complicated. Right. Because then we're just saying that you're not you're not as authentic or as black or as Latino as you can be if you're sounding, quote unquote proper all the time and that that cuts deep because you always hear that from your own your own like kind right yeah. like it's like messed up because well i like... went to college came back and they're like oh you're white now and i was like nah i read a fucking book you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> no nah, but it's true you you bring yeah. up another good uh, good point which is like the other side of the spectrum like the the people that have that just speak that way because of their education or whatever it may be um, how they grew up, and then they're perceived as whitewashed. So yeah. it's all it's all perceived to be some sort of form of white. But if you just are, does that mean you're not? Um, but like the whole professionalism thing to me, in a, in a way, it's it's not just like the way you speak; it's the way you you like. For example, I, I feel like even before, if you weren't in a in a meeting uh, or an environment where it required you to show your culture almost showing your culture wasn't encouraged because it would it would differentiate you too much. Yeah. So like if I was talking to Victor about a salsa song and I said it in Spanish real quick, it's like, yo, relax, calm, calm the culture down, right? right. <laughs> Take that offline. Take that offline. Or like wanted to wear something on, 
the Independence Day of of a country, it's like that's uh, not professional. But now it's like changing a little bit more. But yeah, definitely on the other side. I mean, I was at I was at a I was at a show yesterday where they asked me where I was from, and I was like, well, I'm from Westchester, but I live in Harlem. And yeah. I said it like that, and they're like, oh man, this guy sounds so proper. <laughs> And I was like, oh, my bad. Can I do it again? Yo, I'm from Westchester, and I live in Harlem. Ah, ah. And they were like, oh. and, and I'm not going to lie. Like, So I'm from El Paso, which is like 85% Latino, like deeply connected to Mexican culture. Mm-hmm. And so when I started talking more to like my cousin Victor uh, from Dallas, my cousin Ceci's, who's from Dallas, and then even later my my wife now who is from from the dallas area like to me they sounded more quote-unquote white right mm-hmm. like they just sounded different and like i wasn't used to that growing up in el paso and so people that grow up in el paso like not to be mean but we kind of you know make fun of their like accents right like they're we call them like they're more country right or they're more yeah. dallas i don't know what so even within your own people your own family you're gonna notice oh, that yeah. like, crack jokes and stuff. Oh yeah, I've, I mean, still to this day, I'm called gringo by all my family. Yeah. I'm I'm a gringo. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, the, it, like we just went to El Paso over the holidays, and and like it was, it's just funny. There is like an accent, and it's also, I mean, that is like to me, that's like where code switching originated, man. Because like just as a natural baseline, people speak in Spanglish. Yeah. all the time like it's literally 50 percent same sentence half of it will be in spanish and then like there'll be a sprinkling of of uh english words in there or vice versa it's like normal yeah. so um vamos al store or what yeah mira i mean a kid nice hey they up they up yeah yeah they, <laughs> whatever like oh look at the star on the mountain mijo que nice or whatever like wow. it's crazy bro <laughs> oh yeah that's, we do that. that's normal that's ridiculous. Yeah, so it's yeah. it's funny, and uh, there's but, definitely but someone that studies language is that we, right? Everybody kind of has an idea of what is kind of normal in language, and we want to normalize certain ways of speaking. But you take what we call like standard English, and the way we speak English right now would be like really fucking weird to an American a hundred years ago. Or if you go to somebody that speaks English in, in England or Australia, right? And and even languages themselves were built upon other languages, right? English has right. French words and Latin words and Spanish words. And so it's all this awesome mix. But yeah. then we start judging ways of speaking and the people that speak it all the time. Yeah. Very true. What else were we going to talk about, Robert? yeah i have my little thing right um oh okay do you so we're talking about like how like how we use language how we talk to each other code switching like do you think that there's a difference in how guys communicate i mean obviously we know this right like we communicate very different to each other like i i code switch when i speak to a female like for sure but um but like between Latinos, do we speak differently to each other? Is there a comfort level? Did you ever see that happen with your students, like the little cliques that that probably existed and things like that? Like, oh, for dig, sure. I mean, dig deeper on that a little bit. The obvious one is just changing the whole language, right, and speaking Spanish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then even even within just speaking English, like using Spanglish or certain little phrases that would be used by a latino and not really by an african-american and vice versa um and yeah i mean i guess i think more about myself and like how i code switch with like you're talking about how you you talk you tend to talk to women uh differently yeah and it's it's the same for me there's probably about two girls that i know that are friends that I can talk to him like a like quote unquote like a dude. Like yeah. I'll talk to him the exact same way. I'll code switch. I'll cuss. I'll do this and that. Um, I don't know. I guess for me it's more part of it's race. Part of it's 
part of it is just a big part is just familiarity. Like, how long have I known this person? Are they a close friend? Are they a family member? Like, I think that affects my code switching more. Yeah. What about like certain words? Like for me, here's here's an example, right? Anytime I hear anybody say the word ancestor, for example, I already know like that is shorthand for like, I'm not white. Do you know what I mean? Like, are there, so they're either like Latino, whatever, like their ancestry is bigger than like, like some European tie or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, are there certain words that you hear where you're like, oh, okay, that is like, that's kind of a code or like that term is owned by different groups or whatever. Like, is there anything like that that comes to mind for you? Well, just off the top of my head, cause we were talking about it, like, when I hear like somebody using toxic masculinity, I yeah. know they're liberal, right? <laughs> yeah, that's so true. There's there's a lot of terms that I know, like if they're talking about, I don't even know what terms, like they're throwing in, you know, hegemony and like, <laughs> I don't know, like I just know that they're liberal and then there's other phrases that I, I'll assume that they're like conservative. Um, yeah. So I know that's not race and gender, but. Like, that's true but yeah i can't what, really think off the top what of about head. you Luis? i think so to, i'm gonna touch on three things real quick definitely the language changed and the best place to do that is at the deli because <laughs> you know you got to speak to your people to get that discount in spanish and that's just that's a huge code switch i do yeah huge code switch i don't care where i am i don't care who i'm in front of if we're at the salad place i'm speaking in spanish to my bros Dude, literally, just to jump in, so, Robert, there's not a lot of places to eat around here where our office is, and uh-huh. there's this one deli that we call it the Blue Deli because it has the blue awning, the blue awning right? Mm-hmm. We don't even know the name of this place. It's the Blue Deli, <laughs> and all, all the brothers work in there, man. All the primos are back there slanging sandwiches and salads and stuff, and there is a legit salad place next door. Literally, it's called what, uh, Just Salad. That's all they do, Just Salad. Yeah. And every time we want a salad, I'm always like, yo, Luis, salad for lunch. And he goes, yo, we got to go to the blue, though, because that's where I can get – they'll serve it up with extra chicken And I'm like, free. yo, we can't serve big salad. We got to go feed our primos, bro. Right. So <laughs> yeah. literally when we walk in there and they see Luis, all the guys are like – they're like laughing and they're joking around. It's all in Spanish. And uh, he always gets hooked up, man. He gets, like, <laughs> big loaded salads for, like, cheap. <laughs> they give me, like, one scoop, and I'm like, yo, 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 stop playing. And then they give me another well, I guess I do that, too, sometimes at restaurants. Like, my Spanish isn't super strong, so I can't, like, ham it up with everybody. Um, yeah. like it sounds like Luis can. But, um, like, when I go to a Mexican restaurant, like, I, I kind of want to order in Spanish, and I'm going to put the accent, you know, in the That's... right places, the right words. Right. Um, like, I'm not going to say, you know, can I please have a corn tortilla? Like, no. Like, <laughs> tortilla? Yeah. Um, so I, I'll switch it up there, too. That that makes me think, I guess this goes back to the masculinity. And since you brought up food, like, do you all have certain buddies that if you tell them, oh, yeah, I went out to have, like, sushi, like, they're going to clown on you because it's too fancy or too, or, nah. like, no, but I, I, I mean, I'd seen it before. Like, that shit used to happen when, like, you used to eat, like, vegetarian or something. Like, even a salad. Even a salad before. That's now, true, guys yeah. guys eat salads all the time now. I'm going to touch on the second point that I want to say, too. But guys eat salads all the time now. But before, it was like, you're going to go sell, get a salad? Be like, yo, does your purse come with that salad, <laughs> pussy? Yeah. Like, yeah. But now it's like, oh, I'm going to go to Saturday. I'm going to be like, oh, you want a diet, bro? Let me know. Let me know how much protein you intaking on a daily basis. <laughs> so so it's definitely – I definitely feel that. Yes, I have gotten shame for the food, especially coming from the hood. Like sushi, it'd be like, yo, bro, you going to eat sushi, my G? What is that? Raw fish? Yo, you mad homo. And then you're like, yo, what? Um, yeah, I still clown some buddies. Like if we, <laughs> we – He's like, yo, I'd do it. Yeah, I mean, like, if, if it's, we're out on a boys' night and we go to wing place and somebody orders a salad, like a shrimp salad, oh, nah, okay. he's, he's going to get it. He's going to get it. Yeah, now you ask him for it, though. Yeah, but, yeah, man. But I think, like, New York's a little different. I used to get 
Texas, it's like you can get clowned for anything like that, for sure. But over here, there's – dude, Robert, there's literally, like, in the summer, the brosé movement, dude. Like, you get your boys together, and you'd all drink rosé on a patio when it's, like, a nice day out. That sounds nice. Nah, nah, fuck that, fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> legit, legit. It's, like, fine. It's totally fine. No, but, but the, I mean, there's, there's, you know, you, you know, I hang out in, like, places like that, too, in Dallas. Like, you know, some of my boys – like, we just had a boys' night this last week to, like, do our fantasy football award stuff. And we yeah. went to a steak place. And half the dudes are ordering, like, special kind of red wine. They're like, oh, I like Malbec and I like this. And, like, you know, that's something that never would have happened, you know, 15 <laughs> years ago with the same same guys. And I think part of that is just us getting older and, like, maturing and stuff. Definitely um, maturing. But we'll still, like, clown each other for doing... <laughs> For doing certain things that you know that yeah. we know we, it's kind of like a sarcastic toxic toxic masculinity if you will yeah <laughs> it's 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 joking around but it does have its undertones right like if, yeah like if all your all your boys are getting all like butt heavies and some dudes like yo you got sancerre and they're like oh <laughs> yo your boyfriend teach you that <laughs> Yeah, because like <laughs> which is a funny say, joke, but like you're you're, you're kind of I mean it's coming from a weird place. Yeah, and like Victor said, oh it's it's normal over here to have like a brose night. I guarantee there's thousands and thousands of dudes that live in New York that don't agree with me. They'd be like brose. That's night? only because like, there's that's only because the sheer population of New York is so big. There's probably eight thousand. Yes. No, but there's millions. <laughs> like, I don't think, I think there's a lot more guys that would clown that than you maybe realize. Yeah. Probably. They're, they're definitely out there. You see it. Like, I've seen it many times because I'm, like, very vocal about my self-care. Like, and I'm, I'll, I'll literally bring a lotion to my friend and I'll be like, you need this because your skin is dry. You need to glow. And I'll see them get a little uncomfortable by how much I'm like talking about getting a manicure. You know, I have a three step morning routine and a two step night routine. Don't get this shit twisted. You know what I'm saying? So, and they're like, wait. And a lot of times even I'll come off stage and like, even women will be like, yo, are you gay? And I, and then I'm like, no, I'm actually straight. And they're like, oh, I knew it, but I had to, I had yeah. to check. And I was like, who are you checking for? Because <laughs> I, I don't see you like it. But there's this thing, you know what I'm saying? And like guys, when they first meet me, they're like, I don't know, he got a dangling earring. I don't know what his deal is. <laughs> He's yeah. a little flam. But like, oh, but then the second thing about the the. Um, Code switching, the, the code switching. I definitely see it a lot. It's almost like you were saying that ancestor for you. Yeah. For me, it's when you pronounce a word in Spanish yeah. in English. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like when someone's like, like I. That to me is like a hey. Like put, if you're, putting like out a feeler. I'm Latin. Like if you're speaking a whole thing in English and then you're like, and then I went to go yeah. get enchiladas. Yeah, basically. You're like, oh, okay. Yeah, instead of saying like. Oh, you know, a lot of the core consumer has ancestors from Mexico. You'd be like ancestor from Mexico. Right. And then it's oh, like, yeah. boom, it's like a flare in the air. It's like, yo, yeah, by the yeah, way, yeah. I'm not I'm not y'all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That makes me think of like when I go to like let's I stop at Taco Bell, right? Yeah. I'll do I'll like if I'm at a Mexican restaurant, I'm going to say, you know, uh, tres tacos, right? Yeah. But at Taco Bell, it might be a Mexican person taking my order, but I'm just gonna say, give me three tacos, right? Yeah, you're not you're not gonna be like, give me the gordita crunch. You're gonna be like, <laughs> you're gonna be like, let me get the gordita crunch. You're gonna just say because it's a whole different thing. Taco Bell's in an, a rare, very rare. Yeah, but even if I'm talking to a old Mexican lady that works at Taco Bell, like I'm still gonna say taco, right? Which is yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely, I agree with that. Now we could throw away all of our culture at Taco Bell. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta be able to say, yeah. "Give me the Diablo sauce." You're not gonna be like, yeah. "Give me the salsa Diablo." They're Doritos gonna... Locos, baby. Yeah, yeah, it's not Doritos Locos. It's hey, Doritos those are those locos. are lit, man. <laughs> those Doritos are lit. Locos. <laughs> the ranch one and the spicy Dorito one. Yeah, the cool ranch. Oh, I haven't had the spicy nacho one. That shit has to be fire. That shit's tight. <laughs> <laughs> it's like horrible food, but I can eat it all day. Is, oh. there a ta- is there a Taco Bell 
up in Harlem? Because I don't know where one is. There's not one no, like there's, close by. No, they got like a cantina around here somewhere. Oh, they got a fancy one? Yeah. You mean a dude, cantina? They got, dude, they got these fancy ones where they serve alcohol and stuff. <laughs> yeah, they're called the Taco Bell Cantina. Oh, yeah, yeah, I saw one of those in Austin. I was like, what the yeah, hell is Yeah, yeah, they have one They have one in Austin. They just opened up a second one here. I'm like, yo, they're trying to solve overpopulation. Um <laughs> <laughs> but another another uh, code switch for me, definitely being from an urban environment, is the N word. Yeah. When I hear someone say that, I'm like, oh, he's either with the culture or he's from the culture. Like right. he's from an urban setting because, and if you, you're comfortable using if you're that comfort- word in, per- in if public. You're in yeah. public, yeah. yeah. Obviously, not even people that use the N word use the N word in office settings, or I'm sure. <laughs> teacher settings, anything that's professional, because it's just not professional. I guess that's one of those things. But outside, as soon as it comes out, I'm like, this person, I vibe with him. (laughs) Now, I can't, I don't use it no more, but I grew up using it. Mm. So it it always will be like a trigger for me. I'm like, oh, okay. That's that's my guy. That's something I I talk about with my students, because like I teach a a class on hip hop rhetoric. And so I talk about Latino rappers that use the N-word. And I asked my African-American students, like, how do you feel about that? And, like, half of them are like, hell no. It's split, right? Isn't that crazy? can't use that. Yeah, and the other half are like, well, if he grew up around black people, he grew up, you know, in the culture, rap culture, like, it's not a big deal. And so the weirdest thing for me is when I went to the University of Houston, I used to uh, play basketball. And so it was like, one third Latinos, one third Asians, one third black guys, and some of the Asian Asians Asians in Houston. Oh man, yeah, a lot. That's the biggest. That's the biggest population in Texas in in yeah. Houston for like Vietnamese, like Asian. Yeah. Wow, huge, I didn't even know that. Huge. Yeah, and some of the Asian dudes would throw out the N word on the basketball court, and I'll be <laughs> like, I'll be like, holy shit! But like the black dudes didn't care. Lin- yeah, because insanity, bro. Yeah, because if you could take it to the rim on them. If you could score, if you if you're grabbing boards over a six seven dude, you can say the N word. Oh, is that the rule? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all, all on court only. <laughs> That's why Kevin Love after every rebound, he's just like, mm. <laughs> and they're like, all right, all right, and one, and, and one, and they're like, you know what? It's fine. Definitely, if you play basketball, I did see that the white boys. I have one white boy that had the N word pass. He's a, still till this day my best friend. And he wears it like a badge. He he doesn't say it no more, but he'll be like, yo, 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 tell him how I used to be able to say it around everybody. That's so messy. Because he was the starting point guard. He was the starting quarterback. Like, he played all the sports that all the minorities were in. Yeah. So it's just like, yeah. But I'm assuming he had a pass at that school, right? But if yeah, that's, what around... that's what you're saying. Right, right. right. He had a pass at the school, but if, if we were amongst other people and it was just him surrounded by all of us saying it, it's kind of like a a cosign, but yeah, he wasn't going to no other neighborhood saying the N word. But some Spanish dudes could do that. Like, yes, some of them use it all the time. Yeah, Fat Fat Joe's is is whiter than this table, and he uses it. <laughs> Dang, he, he threw Fat Joe under the bus. <laughs> Yo, Fat Joe had a whole. Didn't he have a whole speech about how we can use it? And how basically we're black. He had like an interview where yeah, he was talking. Yeah, yeah about and I'm like, fat, Mr. Fat Joe. <laughs> Mr. Fat. Can you look look at the back of your hand? <laughs> Is it black? No, right? Yeah. So then no, papi. Papi. Papi, no. Papi, no. No. <laughs> I like how we've been talking. We've talked about Fat Joe a couple times with Robert, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's kind of hilarious. Um, <laughs> Robert, I know we don't have much more time with you, man, but. What other what other projects are you working on? Are you still working on hip hop stuff? Like what's uh, what do you got going on right now? Uh, a little bit. Um, I every other semester I still teach that hip hop rhetoric class uh, online for Paul Quinn College, and then this semester I'm teaching uh, a, a composition two class that is themed um, where we're focusing on hip hop culture. And so they're learning to write like research papers, but all the stuff they're writing about has to do with like analyzing rap music lyrics and hip hop culture. Yes, students seem to love it. Robert, who would you tell him to listen to right now to help inform his classes? Like like up and coming, like 
current Gen Z rappers Gen that you need Z to know. Gen Z rappers? Okay, like I got the baby you. Baby or like who? I got you with something. Okay. And then you got to give me your top five right now. Oh yeah, I'll give you my. That top that five. doesn't mean that doesn't mean like active rappers. That just means in your head and your mind state right now. Who are your top five? Because I know. As a hip hop fan, it changes depending on my moods and, right, 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 and right. whether I'm depressed or not. Um, okay, uh, um, you should you should you should have your uh, your class listen to. I cannot believe. Uh, oh, Goldlink. Listen Gold to Link? Gold Goldlink. First of all, his beats are like Afro beats, kind of jazzy, mm. and he sort of like kind of be singing. But his 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 lyrics are pretty cool. Uh, Gen Z wise, who else is a Gen Z rapper that? Like who's big right oh, now? Oh, like, I would say I would say this guy named Buddy. Yeah. Buddy? Have you heard of Buddy? He's a West Coast rapper. Uh oh. Uh, but he's not like that. Vince Staples, absolutely. Hell yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I've heard of him for sure. Vince Staples, my dog. Um, <laughs> just to throw a Latino in there. Even though he's kind of getting more like melody wise, his name is Achal, A dot C H A L. He's a Peruvian rapper from Queens. Oh yeah, I've heard his song. Um, dang, I've heard one of his songs. Yeah, one of his songs kind of blew up. One of his songs kind of blew up. I mean, as a basis, as a basis for your class, Drizzy Drake Rogers, the God, has to be on the listening list. Yeah. Do not disturb by Drake is is Drake? top. No, Drake is real. Drake, absolutely. Yeah, he's yeah, the, yeah. the the realist. That's like that's he's not like the realist, but he's oh. that's like Luis, that's like Luis's like rap god. That's for, my since rap forever. god. That's my <laughs> yeah. Drake's great. Drake's great. He has tons of songs. Y'all need to check out this. I think he's a Houston rapper called Maxo Cream. Maxo M-A- Cream. M A X O Cream. Yeah. He has a song with Megan The Stallion. It's a I great mean, song. I don't remember the name of the song. Maxo Crema. Ma, yeah, Maxo, Maxo Con Crema. Um, <laughs> and then that's, how I get my, that's how I get my tacos at Taco Bell. Hell yeah, bro. <laughs> Give me a little bit of Max and then put Crema on it. Right, and then Joey, Joey Badass. Joey oh, Badass. Yeah, Joey Badass is cool. But go back to 1999, his first, his first mixtape. That was the best work of art that I've had from a young man. And also, just to just as like extra credit, Luis is gonna follow up with you on some videos of ciphers and rap battles. Oh, I'm a huge rap battle fan. Are you? Rap, yeah, rap battles battle. are cool, but I don't watch tons of videos. Oh. We'll help. We'll help inform. We'll create like a like a a different syllabus, like an A and B version. We'll we'll give you like the the B version. <laughs> All right. And then on I the B version, you got. In grad Go school, ahead. I wrote a paper on the on the big rap battle scene from Eight Mile. I love writing that paper. Mm. Oh, nice. That's fire. Yeah, we'll we'll come up with more stuff. So, all right, Robert, top five. Is this all time? Top five for him right now. For right now, okay. Yeah. Top five right now. Uh, but that's hip-hop. dead or alive. I, I think I'm gonna go top five all time. Okay. And I think oh how, wow! Yeah. I think that's how we should. That's how we should end the podcast. Well, here, come, here comes doing top five. Here comes Mr. PhD out here, man. All right, here he comes. Yeah. I think it's a pretty normal list. So, number one, that boy Jay-Z. Okay. Okay. We talk about longevity, lyrics. He's mixed up his style. He's made all that money. Like, he wasn't, like, five years ago, ten years ago for sure, he wasn't number one for me, but he's made his way up there. And then you got to go with the classics, Tupac. Um, I don't listen to him a lot anymore, but like he's just classic. I you know, classic, grew up I listening agree. to him. Biggie, Biggie's my three. Okay. Uh, four, Eminem. Just w- when you think Dang. about what he's done, man, what he's done, like get that shit out of here. <laughs> Eminem has super complicated lyrics. He's amazing. You know, um, freestyle. He fucking. The first like white guy that really blew up, dude. Yeah, he'd be like Cherry Berry, Fairy, Larry, <laughs> Canary. That's right, oh, baby. Yeah, D D twelve for life, bro. Next, <laughs> <laughs> D twelve for life. <laughs> uh, five. I I think I got to put Lil Wayne in there. 
Ooh, that's a nice. good pick. That's I like that. Little like Wayne, that. Little Wayne mixtapes were fire. Like that's it, fair. I stopped listening to rap for a little while, and then his mixtapes came out. Like I don't know, like ten years ago at this point. Um, and they're just they're just fire. And the huge influence he's had on like modern rappers. Um, I got. Oh yeah. So that's my top five. Dang, All right. Fire. So now since now fire. now since you said. Since you said top five all time, I gotta add a list, another listen, uh, another rapper that rapper you should listen to. Big L will body yeah. everyone on that list. Rest in peace to the Harlem thing. I don't think he made enough music though to be on that list. Yeah, but just that one freestyle with him and Jay Z is enough. <laughs> I want to hear his top five. Luis. Oh, my top five all time. Yeah. All right, I got you. Um, let me see. Big L's on my top five. I don't. I don't. This is out of order. And there's not one, one, two, three, four. Big L, Nas, Jay Z. Uh, then after that, it's weird. I'm a. I'm a. Oof, people won't hate me for this one. I'm gonna put Drake <laughs> in my top five all time. God, bro. Drake's in my top five all time. Uh, and then um, Tupac. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Pac, and Drake. Drake and J Cole. Alternate. Oh, Cole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They alternate. I thought you were gonna throw an MC Hammer. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Yo, he's gonna be he's gonna be in a uh, Super Bowl commercial this year. Oh wow. Is he? Yeah, I think for Cheetos. That's wow. amazing. I know. All right, Drake, your top five. I'm okay. All right, man. Well, I'm I'm an old I'm an old man like you, Robert. So honestly, for me, it's gotta be. Snoop Dogg has to be on there. Oh wow. For sure. Wow. And look, look man, growing up in Texas, our rap skewed way more West Coast in the 90s than it did East oh, Coast. Yeah. yeah. So, I listened like, to Doggy style nonstop for like That was just Oh, Mob Deep honorable yeah. mention. Okay, Mob Deep. So a lot of that like East Coast stuff didn't really hit with me and I mean Jay-Z was probably on there because he like messed with all the Houston and like Dirty South guys. Um I'd have to say I'd have to say Pimp C. Okay, Pimp C. Okay. For sure. Um, he gave you a funny look. <laughs> how about how about Three Six Mafia? Three Six Juicy J. Juicy J. Nice. For sure. And then how about E40? Okay. E40 Earl, Ste- Earl Stevens right there. <laughs> That's uh, I like the list. It's different. Yeah. Different list. That's yeah, a yeah, different yeah, list. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. As honorable mention, I gotta throw in Cypress Hill. Yeah, yeah, man. yeah. Have you, in the brain. Hey, have you seen uh, Robert? There's a there's a show that um. Oh yeah, it's smoking in the it's car. It's called like Hot Hot Box or hot something. Box. Oh, yeah, yeah. Car, with Be yeah. real. With Be real, and he does interviews while he's hot boxing a car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that. Dude, kind he's making amazing. mad money uh, in the weed business. Yeah. You should watch the interview where Be Real interviews the ultimate Latin actor in every film, Hector. Hector. You know, you know Hector, the guy that always plays the Hector, the Mexican gangster. Uh, I can't Friday. Right I forgot his name because to me he'll always be Hector. <laughs> oh he yeah, has like yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that Italian. Yeah, he, No, no man. He, I got you. Right now, let me search this up for the listeners. Even though I think we talked about him, we already did, and we keep forgetting his name. That's Actors, how, like the actor. <laughs> That's what I'm googling. Um, Noel Guglielmi. Noel Guglielmi is the dude that played every Mexican gangster with a flannel in every movie. <laughs> he had a nice clean shave, clean, everything, bro. Clean, he was... baldy. He was okay, in Dark Knight Rises, The Walking Dead. Uh, he was in Friday. Furious Seven. Oh, the Birch. yeah, 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 yeah. This dude. I thought you were I, talking about the other. In one of the Fridays, he had that Mexican neighbor with a like dog Chico. Oh, you, yeah, yeah, Chico. No, not, yeah, not that guy. Not that dude. Okay. Yeah, I know what you're talking. Like, about. uh, he was like, "Come see my Aztec warrior, Holmes." Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He was the guy in training in Training Day where training he was like day. holding the gun to yeah, the yeah, yeah, in yeah, the bathtub. Yeah. Malibu's yeah. most wanted. That Literally, guy. he was Hector in every single film. Latino <laughs> Hector SWAT. <laughs> Seriously, his name was Hector in everything. That's awesome. That's amazing. All right, man. I know we don't have much more time with you, Robert. So, um, dude, thanks so much for jumping on the podcast with us. Be sure to check out. Dr. Robert Dinajero's podcast, Words, Words, Words. 
Um, and hopefully we can get you. Hopefully we can get you next time, man. We can keep talking about some other stuff. Maybe we'll go more deep into hip hop again. Yeah, for sure. That was fun. Cool. Any uh, any parting words, Poppy? Yo, follow me on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Luis Gal at Luis Galilei. Just like my photos is the most simple way to support a struggling young artist. Love it. And if you're new, if you're in New York, come to my shows and stop being um, stop being toxic. Stop being toxic, yo. Yeah. And go to fucking Taco Bell and ask for the Maxo cream sauce. There ask, you go. Yeah, ask for the Maxo cream sauce, but don't ask ask Max for his cream sauce because you might get something different. Hey, that's toxic, bro. <laughs> Love it. All right, All right, All right guys. Good to talk. See you later. Right. Later, okay. man. Bye. See you later. Thanks for listening. You can find the Mijos anywhere you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe and tune in for our next episode.